Welcome um, to our humble abode. If this is your first time, welcome to Ruby. I hope you feel uh, warmly welcomed. You should by now because now you're surrounded by people, so that's good. Um, so glad to see you guys. Um, hey, last night, Nashville, their MLS team, we have one of those now, had their first game. Yeah, we lost. As expected, though. That's the first time we ever played together. Give them a break. Um, it was really cool. I got to go. Did anyone else get to go to the game? You guys did. Oh, wow. Great. Way to go. Rep our city. Um, I, could you tell that we need help with chants and, like, cheers? Yeah, we need to come up with some stuff. The NSC, I'm not getting with that one. There's a couple I just wasn't getting with. We're not going to take it. That's good, but you don't have the endurance over 90 minutes to keep. So anyway, uh, it was good. All right. Last week, we, uh, we wrapped up um, Awaken. And um, I just want to let you know about an outlet um, that I want you to go and visit and even contribute to. So awakennashville.com, um, you can go to that website, awakennashville.com, and you can submit stories. So I don't know if you know this, but truth be told, um, people from around the literal world are tracking what is taking place in Nashville. I think we're in this sweet little building and I tell you about Awaken, um, but unless you like have been to the Ryman or got to go to this like leaders dinner I went to on Monday, it's hard to get an understanding of the scope of what is taking place across a lot of churches, um, across a lot of different types of churches. A lot of like it's just it's so awesome, it's so big, it's so diverse, um, and so a lot of people from around the world are are wanting to know more about what's been going on and what God's doing. And so if you go to awakennashville.com you can share your story. And so wherever you've seen the Lord at, if it's something that you'd like to share, please go to that website and share your story because people are going to read it and be encouraged by it. Testimonies are powerful, okay? Um, and I don't know, maybe you can go there and also I'm assuming if you can submit stories there, I bet you can read stories there. You would have thought I would have fact-checked this already. Um, but anyway, um, I'll figure that out at some other time. But anyway, so awakennashville.com, please go um, submit stories where you saw God moving. It is actually currently encouraging people around the world, which is so great. Um, I went to the Awaken um, Leaders Dinner on Monday, and I want to share a little bit. So um, it was at Nissan Stadium, which was kind of a flex, which is pretty cool. Um, so we're at Nissan Stadium, but it was indoors. It wasn't like on the football field or in the end zone, which would have been even cooler. But we're in this building, and um, there was, I want to say, close to, was it about 400? Is that, did you, Daniel, did you hear a number? I think it's around 400 um, people there. And everyone that was there was a leader or a pastor or someone that helped put on Awaken or spread the word about Awaken to multiple churches. And so um, it was a very like, um, I don't know the word I'm looking for. Is it concentrated maybe? Concentrated group of people where everyone there was like not only a part of Awaken, but was pioneering a piece of Awaken. And um, like casually, um, uh, there was a woman there that helped 32 churches start Awaken at their church. And we didn't know who she was. We we're like, how, who are you? How did you do this? This is awesome. And so anyway, so we're there and it was just a big um, testimony night. And so I wanted to share some of the stories that I heard at this dinner. And when you picture what this dinner looked like, it was very diverse, um, but it was also just very normal people. So the room didn't look much different than this one. Like everyone's just normal people. Everyone had jeans on and just regular shirts. Like it wasn't some, like I'm gonna share some powerful stories. And I think we just tend to see some like, it was just a normal dinner. Normal people sharing really cool things. And so here's some of the stories um, that were shared. So this Pakistani woman, is it Pakistani? Is that how you say it? Someone correct me if I'm wrong right now. 
is no one sure? We're all in the same boat? I love it. Um, all right. Let's all just swim in this ignorance. All right. Um, so, yeah, this woman um, from Pakistan, I feel confident in that version. Um, okay. Um, so this woman gets up and shares that she's been a part of, uh, of Awaken, and um, she has been ministering to this, this girl that grew up in a Muslim family but was Christian, and, um, but her whole family was Muslim. And they were, her brother was really abusive to her for being Christian, uh, physically abusive. And so this woman's been ministering um, to this, woman, this, this girl, this Christian girl, been praying for her family. And um, I won't get into the nitty gritty of the details. I don't want to misrepresent anything. But basically, um, that Muslim family, the father had been in the coma for a really long time. And um, this, this Pakistani, this, I don't know how to say it, this woman from Pakistan, I, I'm, I'm going to give up, um, was ministering to this family and began praying over this father who then um, at some point awoke from his coma and the entire family um, over time gave their life to Jesus. And so um, this woman who was this, just, this Christian girl in a Muslim family saw her whole family give their life to Jesus. And this woman's just sharing this at, at the dinner, just low key, like everyone's like, oh, it's normal. Um, cool. Um, and then she shared that um, there was this Hindu woman that she was ministering to. And um, uh, this, the, the Christian, I'm going to keep struggling because I'm trying not to say names. I need to say the name. Her name is Shelby, all right, with a V, not Shelby, but Shelby. Okay, that's the Christian woman, okay, from Pakistan. So while Shelby was in Pakistan, she was bitten by some sort of bug and got a growth in her stomach that was going to require surgery. Well, Shelby, while all this is taking place, was ministering to a Hindu woman. The Hindu woman comes to the hospital and is like, Shelby, I don't understand. You tend to pray for people and they get better, but yet God is helping you or is not helping you get better. Like, why are you still sick? And so Shelby, she was very funny as she was sharing her story. She was really honest about what she was thinking internally. She was like, Jesus, you better heal me. Don't let her talk about you like that. <laughs> like, don't let her do this. Like, show her what's up. And, uh, and so um, the Hindu woman was actually like, hey, can I pray for you? Can I pray this will go away? And Shelby was like, yes, with one acceptance, you have to pray to Jesus, okay? Like, you have a lot of options to pray to, and, but I want you to pray to my God specifically, okay? And she said that. It was just very funny. And um, so the Hindu woman prays, and she teaches her how to pray in the name of Jesus. So the Hindu woman leaves, and um, Shelby goes to sleep that night, the, the, morning, the night before her surgery. And as she sleeps, she says she has a dream. She has a dream that she's wheeled back, and right before surgery, she says to the doctor, will you just scan me one more time before we go into the surgery? The doctor does the scan. He comes back and says, um, the growth has shrunk. You don't need surgery. You can go home today. She wakes up from the dream, and the doctors are like, hey, let's go back. They take her back to the surgery room. She goes, hey, before we do this, could we do one more scan? I think I might be better. I think God might have healed me. Um, they did a scan. The doctor said, the growth has shrunk so much. You don't need surgery. You can go home today. And the Hindu, yeah, right? Like that happened. This is like a real person. Like, it's like right there. I'm watching her talk and tell me the story. I know it's real because there you are right in front of me, right? And uh, it was really cool. And uh, then she ended it with like, just like screaming out, the woman who prayed for me is currently in India, but when she gets back, she's coming to the Lord. And we were all like, yes, she is. Yeah! And like let out a war cry. It was really cool. Um, I have actually, we're going to don't think I'm about to transition. I'm going to tell a few stories. So really like let yourself just get lost in story time. Um, all right. Um, then there was a man who uh, he shared that during Awaken, he felt led to like be with his neighbors, like connect with his neighbors. But he felt awkward. Maybe many of you felt this. I certainly feel this. He lived across from his neighbors for years. And then all of a sudden was like, I should meet them. 
right? And that's kind of a weird thing, right? When you've only ever seen them when you're wheeling out the trash can, you're like, okay, let's pretend that didn't happen. All right, let's go back inside, you know? And so he's like, okay, I don't know how I'm going to meet this family. What's going to happen, right? And so he's like thinking about it, God, how do I like try to connect with them and get dinner in a way that's not weird and like, you know, knock on the door, peace to this house, let's get dinner, you know? And, uh, so it was funny, he was, he was out one night and his son, who's 16, just got his driver license, called him and sounded kind of panicked. It was like, you know, dad, I made a, I made a boo-boo, I made a mistake. He didn't say boo-boo, <laughs> I said boo-boo. This was a 16-year-old kid. He wasn't saying boo-boo at this time because um, <laughs> he wasn't three. So um, anyway, but he's like, dad, I messed up. Um, I just ran over our neighbor's mailbox. And the dad was like, yes. <laughs> So the dad literally has to go knock on his neighbor's door and go, hey, my son just got his license. He hits your mailbox. Is there anything we can do? Oh, it's okay. I'll talk through it. He goes, hey, would you guys want to get dinner? And like, we've been living together. And they got dinner. And he said that the family, he didn't get in specifics. He said the family opened up, got really vulnerable, like first dinner. They got to make some real inroads, like on some heart level conversations. And so on one level, we have a a woman from Pakistan who's like, sis is healed overnight. On the other hand, we got a 16-year-old hitting a mailbox so that God can unite two families, right? And it's just like those kind of stories all across the spectrum. Um, Not done. Uh, Story from Awaken in Memphis. Um, And again, I'm not going to get into specifics, but this is this is pretty wild, all right? This conservative group of men are having this like prayer morning and this guy comes reporting that he had just been diagnosed with stage four cancer. Um, And again, this is a group like me and you, all right? This is not a group of like charismatic, like it's just normal people going, I've got stage four cancer, it's not good. And there's just like this conviction that comes over the group. Like, can Jesus heal people? Do we actually believe it? Like, does he do it? well, then let's pray. And then he said, the guy kind of leading the prayer was like, does anyone have oil? And someone did. I'm like, all right, well, that's a cool group of people. Like, yeah, right here. Um, it's like, you want all over? Um, all right. And so they pray over him. And no kidding, on Friday, he goes back to the doctor and the cancer is gone. And they do blood work to confirm that they, like, they do, like, you know, the extras and the blood work comes back and it confirms you don't have cancer anymore. What is happening, right? Like that happened in Memphis, Tennessee, right? Like I'm comfortable with these stories in Kenya for some reason or India, right? It's like, yeah, yeah, I bet it did happen over there. But Memphis, right? Like let's go, like something's happening. Okay, that's another one. That one's sick. All right, um, we've had many churches reporting. We are seeing conversions and new members of our church and we haven't seen them in years. Like God is awakening stuff. Like it's just, it's weird. Our church is growing. We haven't seen growth in forever. If any of you are part of a small, or ever grew up in a small town, you've been to churches like this. That's just the same old, same old for like year after year after year. And those kinds of churches are going, wow, like salvation's happening, right? Like new people are coming and they're interested. And it's really crazy that God is, is on the move. There's this church in Northeast Tennessee. They have been praying for 28 straight days. I'm not sure if it's still going. That was as of Thursday, but they're like spontaneous, unplanned. Let's all pray at the church together has lasted for 28 days. I'm sure people have left and like eaten food and taken bathroom breaks, but still like 28 straight days of prayer spontaneously breaking out in Northeast Tennessee, right? This is really happening. And then uh, last story I'll tell. Um, at, awake, at the Awaken dinner on Monday night, I'm sitting and worshiping and these people come up and, and they lead communion and it's, it's really powerful um, and everyone's just like in this heart of worship. And uh, I didn't really, you don't really know who's around you. You're getting to know the people at your table, but there's hundreds of churches represented here. And um, Dave uh, Clayton told me later, he goes, hey, in your section, I looked across your little like spot, there was like four or five tables, 
and there was a group of charismatic, there was Roman Catholics, there was Messianic Jews, uh, and then there was just like conservative churchgoers, like all in the same little section. And I was like, that sounds like a walks into the bar joke. Like a Roman Catholic, a Messianic Jew, and a charismatic walk into a bar. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it's a joke because they'd never actually be together, right? But guess what? On Monday night, we all took communion together, hugged one another, and worshiped our faces off. And last year, I went to the same dinner, and it felt more like a family reunion with people that you don't live near and didn't grow up with. And you're like, I know you're my uncle, and that makes me love you in some way. But that's as far as this thing goes. <laughs> Have fun back in Toledo. Like, I, I don't know you, right? Like, I don't care. We're blood. That's about the only thing that makes us special, right? That's how last year felt. Okay, that was a little cynical. It felt good. But it was just like, we don't know each other. This year, y'all, it was pretty crazy. Like, I mean, there were like 400 churches represented in that room, and everyone loved each other. It was so crazy. Everyone just getting along. No one's like talking shop. It's just, where'd you see God in your heart? Like, before we even get to your church, how's your heart in this season? Where are you seeing the Lord? Like, talking about confession and repentance, breaking out in small groups. Like, and it was just like so unreal to see all these leaders together. It's like, man, God is like really something's happening. And it's taken me like four years to realize this. We've been doing Awaken for a while. And, but Monday night I was like, okay, yeah, God's doing something. Like when, when the hearts are this soft and, and they're this for one another, when all of these leaders are celebrating each other, adding people to their church and not competing or not trying to steal or not trying to figure out what's your strategy? How are you doing that? Because we might steal it and try to do it better than you do it, right? It's like none of that's there. It was a spirit of like worship, of humility, and just like trust in like the real spirit of God. Like, it low-key felt a little charismatic at the end. And I know that most people there were not, including me, were not like charismatic people. And maybe you would say I am, but it was like so powerful, like the worship that was going on. Like, it was so cool. Like there was one guy um, that he's super conservative, like hands in pockets, will not even sing during worship. And at the very end, I didn't see this, but my friend told me it was really sweet. He had his hands out, still by his side, but up and open, and he was singing. And it's like little things like that where it goes, people that aren't really comfortable, like coming out of their shell, like worshiping the Lord, are like, no, like the spirit of God's moving. He deserves our worship, and they're just praising the Lord. And so this is all happening. And you're not, you know, um, on the sideline observing it. You're a part of this. This is, you know, a lot was represented at, at that Monday night dinner, but we're all a part of this. And it was this really powerful moment where the people of God got to come together and just testify. Here's the things that we're seeing happen. And we're going to finish up Luke chapter 10 today. And we're actually going to read a passage that lines up perfectly with how we've opened this. The disciples are going to be testifying, and then Jesus is going to give a word. And that's what I want to talk about for the rest of our time. So if you have a Bible... Um, turn to Luke chapter 10. I feel like my voice is going out, um, so I'm going to keep drinking water. My wife has been sick again this week, so do not shake my hand today. Don't let me forget. Fist bumps only. Maybe even just elbow bumps. Be praying for her. It's been a rough week. Um, but Luke 10, um, we're going to read verses 17 through 20. So if you've been with us, you know that we've been covering this passage for, I think, four or five weeks now. And... Um, just background, Jesus has a group of 72 people. He sends them out to go and to declare the kingdom of God, um, to bring healing, and to tell the people that God is near. And what we're going to read now is their, um, their reports. What happened after they did all this? What do they have to say about their experience? So um, Luke 10, verses 17 through 20, um, would someone be willing to um, read verses 17 through 20 over our church? That'd be awesome. 
someone would do it. Come on, let's go, Shane. Thank you. 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. That's good. Would someone else mind reading it one more time so we can just really hear it? Yeah, thank you. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions, and all over the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you. Rejoice that your names are written. Awesome. Thank you, guys. I'm going to pray. Um, Lord, I just I sense that whenever we tell stories like this, um, that we are immediately, some of us are immediately brought to the battleground of faith. And there's a lot of inner dialogue. Stories of people being healed. They can be, um, for some of us, it's like, immediately just like, wow, God, you're so good. You're powerful. I, I've always known you're real. This is just more evidence. I'm just so thankful. But for some of us, it's a real struggle. And so, God, I pray that today, um, will you help our faith today? Um, Lord, faith is, um, is so, it's like the, the center point of like life with you, Jesus, is having faith in you, is believing in you, God. And I just, I pray, God, that today, would you strengthen our faith? Um, give us faith, Lord to trust that you're real, to trust that you're at work, um, that you really are bringing healing, that you really are doing things that are supernatural. And lead us, God. Um, thank you for this story. This is so cool. Thank you for what's in store in this teaching. I just think it's a really beautiful thing you're explaining to us today. So help us to just get lost in it this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so... Let's, uh, let's just walk through this story. I think it's pretty awesome. Um, <clears throat> all right, so let's set the scene. So the disciples come back, and they're like, they're super hype. The celebration energy is, super, is like, it's, it's high, right? They're coming back, and I imagine that it's two by two, and so they pair up with some other people, and then they start exchanging stories. They start, and they're like, wow. It happened. Like all of us are seeing this like really epic stuff go on. And when we have something epic going on, we want to talk about it, right? And so they're just, they're sharing about it. Like, what'd you see? This is what I saw. And this is amazing. And um, last week on Sunday night after baptism gathering, which some cool stuff happened there as well. Who, who went to baptism gathering? Anybody? How was it? I guess that's the only thing you could say, whether you're honest or not. But it was amazing, guys. Oh, I'll say more about that later. Baptism night was amazing. Come to the next one. Okay, um, so... Um, after baptism gathering, um, I had a friend that was leaving town, and he loves to play um, this game called NHL, which is like hockey on video games, all right? Controller in the hand, screen. 
Uh, all right? And so um, I don't play video games very often. I don't have a video game console. But about two or three times a year, I get to play video games. And let, let me just be really transparent. I love it. I love it so much. And so um, we're playing NHL together on this huge projector in a warehouse. It is so dorky. And I'm just in the, I'm just apex of my life. I'm loving it. After the matches together, I'm still just like NHL. Oh my gosh. And so we're, I'm just kidding. Um, NHL, we're playing NHL. And me and Brian White, the guy who led worship today, we're on the same team. There he is. Yeah. Absolutely. And we're the predators because like rep your city and we're playing hockey on the screen and we're playing two guys that are like pretty much better than us. And we are very aware of that. Like they beat us the first game, they beat us six to two. We're like, dang. And then the guy that we're playing against is going, hey, should we switch up teams because my team always wins and maybe it's not fair. I was like, (laughs) I looked at Brian and was like, we'll do the same teams, right? And like, we're very focused, Mighty Duck style. And so we're like, all right, let's get this thing going. We win the next game. It felt kind of lucky. Okay, great. So there's one more, right? Because guys don't know how to end in a tie. It's the stupidest thing you can do. So we're like, no, let's play again so someone leaves happy and someone leaves disappointed instead, right? Like that's what we want to happen for some reason. We play one more game. And I tell you, we're down by one with four minutes to go. And if Brian and I don't score two straight goals to win the game, I'm a liar. We did. That's what happened. It was a weird way to tell the story. But we scored two goals and we won. And I'm not kidding. It shouldn't have felt as good as it felt. It shouldn't have. There's no way it should have felt as good as it did. But I went home just so bubbly and just like, I could have stayed up until 6 a.m. like praying and worshiping. And I was just like, wow, we won NHL. I know, it's immature. And so anyway, it happened. Um, and it doesn't end there. Three days later, I'm driving back to the office. Uh, I was like at a lunch meeting or something. I'm driving back to the office and I call Brian. I'm like, Brian, what about Sunday night, man? What about it? <laughs> And we recap the game, right? Like we actually talked through it. Like, can you believe that? I know there were two defenders on you. You passed it back. I put it in the net and we won. And we sent him home. He's moving to Colorado, never coming back again. And that's what he's going to remember last, that we beat him in NHL. And it was just amazing, right? I'm just like, wow, that's so good. That's what we did, right? As stupid and trivial as that story was, right? And there are far more important things. That's what you do when something amazing happens. And you get to define what's amazing for you. So you have your own versions of this that I would think is stupid too, all right? I'm just kidding. Um, so um, we're like so important. This is what you do though. When, when good news happens, like when something amazing happens, you just gotta like digest it. Then you gotta externally process it with the people you love. And that's what's happening here with Jesus. They're like, Jesus, oh my gosh. Like you have got to understand. Like this was crazy. We said your name and like demons that are real apparently came out of them. It worked. Jesus, do you know what your name does? Come on, let me show you. Like, come here really quick. Let's go find a demon and let's like say your name. Watch what happens, right? Like, it's like this really epic thing. And you can just like, as I'm thinking about this story, I'm just like feeling the chaos of 72 people talking about like, whoa, just, just like hear the murmur in that crowd. Like everyone's just sharing like, what'd you see? What'd you see? What'd you see? But then Jesus does something super strange in the midst of this epic conversation, celebration everywhere. Like everyone's hype. He does something weird. In verse 18, he goes, in the midst of all the laughter, hear the chaos. Jesus goes, hey, hey, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. It's like weird flex, but okay. Like, do you? Keep going, Jesus. What else are you going to say about this, right? Like in this moment, he goes, I've seen Satan fall like lightning from the glory of heaven. I've seen that happen. 
I don't know if you've ever had a moment where you're telling a cool story or you're taking something in and then someone else tells a story that's better than yours and you're like, where'd you come from? Why are you doing this? <laughs> Chill out. I was driving in the Smoky Mountains one time. We're there in the dark. It's before sunrise. Sun comes up, beautiful, epic, amazing. And out of nowhere, my friend goes, man, one time I was in Colorado and we saw the sunrise over the snow-capped mountains. It was amazing. And I was like, well, we're not in Colorado, are we? We're in the Smoky Mountains. Like, Pigeon Forge is right there, and it's got a wax museum, and we love it there. You can't tell if they're real or not. Like, this is where we are, right? Stop flexing on Colorado. Like, this is amazing. Like, you know what I mean? So in the midst of all this celebration, Jesus is like, hey, I hear you. But I've seen Satan fall like lightning from heaven. He goes, you think you've seen some things, but basically, this is just a little, teeny, tiny little something that you've seen. This is nothing, But then it gets really cool. He says, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. He actually starts to sweeten the pot. Bless you, in the name of the Lord. He actually just, he starts to just sweeten the pot here. He comes back and they're like ready to talk about demons. But Jesus goes, we're just getting started. Like I've seen Satan fall like lightning. I've given you all power. Like the schemes of the enemy, they're never gonna touch you. But then the roller coaster keeps going. Like you feel this like ebb and flow, like, hey, I've seen all this, but it's going to get even better. So you're like, oh, okay. Oh, okay, great. Because, hey, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Jesus says, all this stuff is awesome. Everything I just talked about with Awaken, amazing. God is legitimately on the move. His spirit is at work. And Jesus is not being dismissive of those things, but he's going, that is not the main thing. And today's conversation is let's keep the main thing the main thing. Rejoice in this moment that your names are written permanently in heaven. That's what you rejoice in. We're going to dig into this. So, um, and it would be a briefer word, but I heard a Tim Keller sermon this week, and I'm just going to give him a lot of props because he really formed a ton of my thinking and I'll send you the link if you want it. Tim Keller is an amazing teacher, and he helped me to kind of really dissect why is, why is this important? Why is it important that Jesus goes, you've seen a lot of stuff that God's been doing, but rejoice that your name's written. Why is that important? So that's what we're gonna break down a little bit. Why is it important? So Jesus says, do not rejoice that the spirits subject to you. And this is kind of odd, because, I mean, Jesus sent them out, right? With authority, with power, right, to, to, see, to, to see the Spirit submit to them, and it happens. And so it's interesting that Jesus goes, don't even rejoice in that. It's like, why? But Jesus isn't demonizing, pun, he's not demonizing or, or, or saying that's insignificant, that doesn't matter, right? He's getting at something bigger. But first note that the disciples are celebrating, but they don't come back saying, Jesus, you won't believe it. People were restored. Families were made whole salvation came, right? That's not what they're saying. They come back saying, the demons are subject to who? Us, right? They go, the name of Jesus is so powerful. The demons listen to us now. They don't come back proclaiming like the goodness of God, like breaking in on people's lives. They go, that's subject to us. Jesus goes, that's kind of greedy. Like, don't be greedy. Like, don't do that. Like, don't worry about your performance. Don't worry about what happened at your hands. Like, that's not where you want to be centered. Like, rejoice that your name is written in heaven. And this is significant that your name is written. Today, for your name to be somewhere is very common. 
right? We have a lot of places to put our names, and we put our names in a lot of places, right? Whether you're filling out a W-2 or you're making an Instagram profile, your name goes a lot of places all the time. But at this point, it wasn't so common, right? And so when a town would take role or have a census of sorts, there were a lot of people in that town, but actually a lot of people weren't citizens. You'd have artisans, servants, whatever else. But to be a citizen was was a substantial reality. To actually have your name on the census going, no, you're a resident of that town. It meant something. It was not inevitable. It was not a guarantee. Like to have your name written was powerful. And he goes, your name is written in heaven. Jesus does not want them to get their sense of self or their sense of being somebody in what they got done. And what happened in their external circumstances. And I think it's awesome that he used a positive circumstance to teach this lesson. Because it'd be way easier if they came back and were like, nothing happened, it was terrible. And he was like, hey, that's not where you get your identity. It's in being a child of God, right? But instead, it's in like an apex spiritual-like moment. And he goes, hey, this isn't where you get your life from. This isn't what defines you. You don't get your identity in your power or in your gifts or in your accomplishments, or in your performance. Because a lot of religions come back to the same basic thing. In some way or another, you measure your life as you go. And it feels like you've got this proverbial scale, the good and the bad. And at some point, you come into eternity, something happens, you sit before somebody, and we measure it out. I remember being in Turkey, talking to a man uh, who was a Muslim, and him talking about that. So how do you know if you're in or not? He goes, I'll find out. I'm like, whew, okay, wild. Like, that's what religion, a lot of religions say that. And Christianity can even feel that way if you're not careful, right? Like, you're measured by that. But he goes, hey, the greatest spoiler in human history, like, spoil, no spoiler alert necessary, you need this one. He goes, your name is already written. It's been done, right? Like, you are already Heavens, everything you've ever hoped for, everything you're seeking. Guess what? No matter how you live from here on, your name's written. We don't erase names up there. Like, I don't know what your theology is, but once it's up there, it's up there. Not going anywhere. And that's what your names are. And so Jesus is teaching them where to anchor their sense of self. And kind of brings up this question, which is a great question to always be asking, probably. Where am I getting my sense of self? Like, what am I rooted in? What am I anchored in in this season? What is validating me in this season of my life? I thought about this question for myself, too, and I was like, I feel like right now, if it's not being a son of God, right, it's my ability to get things done, to stay ahead. Does anyone hate being behind and you're kind of OCD about it? Me too. Does anyone else also always find themselves behind? Me too. Maybe just me. Maybe not a me too in that one. <laughs> Maybe the people that are OCD about it stay ahead. I do not. And so, but like my ability, like, gosh, guys, my sink has dirty dishes in it again, and I do not know how it's possible. I am so diligent with the dishwasher, cleaning up, unloading, loading, unloading, and somehow, and the, the, the dirty hamper is kind of full again. I just did laundry. Like, I don't know about you, but that frazzles me. And I don't use that word ever, but it does. See, I found that I get my sense of self. Like, man, my sermon prep, am I ready on Thursday? Am I ready for my sermon? Now, on Sunday morning, when I wake up early and start going over, I'll feel ready, 
Like, okay, that matters to me. Is my house clean? How have I been treating Leah lately? Like all that stuff matters. And the minute I start feeling behind, that's when I feel like lesser of a person, right? On the weeks where I've killed it, got her flowers, got her a card. She wasn't even expecting it. Wakes up to it. You're welcome, baby. And my sermon's ready on Tuesday. And I come here like just ready. I'm just like just the best pastor ever, just shepherding the fire out of you guys. You guys are just like, wow, you're like my best friend and a mentor at the same time. I'm like, I know. I love you. Blessings. Like whatever. It's like on those weeks, I'm like, wow, I'm amazing. On the weeks where all that is failing, my wife is sick, which just happens to be a real example, and I'm exhausted and tired from her coughing through the night, and I'm not upset about that. She's sick, right? And I'm just like, wow, okay, I could take a nap during this sermon prep. On those weeks, it's like, oh, why do I feel like a crappier person in this season? And the whole time, in the heights or in the depths, Jesus is going, don't get your sense of self there. Not there. Not in how good you're doing. Not in how awesome it was. All the things you saw happen. Not even there. Like, do you know who you are? Your name's written down in heaven. And there's nothing you can do about it. You can't get so good that I write your name somewhere different and you can't get so bad that I erase it. Like, that's where your name is for all of eternity. That's where it's at. Anchor your sense of self there. Jesus is warning us not to get lost in a role or responsibility or whatever else. No matter how good of a student you are, no matter how good of a parent you are, how good of a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a spouse, an employee. There's all these places that are telling you how good you're doing. But this is Jesus' warning. Don't get trapped into validating yourself based on how your performance is going or what's happening externally all around you because of the work of your hands. Don't worry about it. That's not where you get it from, right? This is easier said than done. And so I wonder what you would answer. Where do I get my sense of self in this season? What's validating me in this season? Um, last, actually this was like two days ago, on Friday, I got to hang out with someone who I had the like privilege of helping come to know the Lord this past Sunday night at the baptism gathering. I'd never met him before, and he just was like, he came there having no idea what he was about to walk into. He didn't know it was a baptism gathering, and the Lord was just like, you need to give me your life, like all of it right now. And so he comes to me and is like, I don't have any Christian friends. I got a Christian mom that reminded me to go back to church, um, and I just, I feel like I need to stop playing games and give my life to Jesus, and so I got to lead him to the Lord, and it was really cool, very powerful, uh, it was awesome, yeah, anyway, um, so we hang out at, uh, at Whole Foods, um, I don't know if it's corny or not, but we hung out at Whole Foods and got the open bar um, lunch, it's relatively cheap and healthy, and so, um, so we're eating lunch, and we talk about Tennessee Vol sports for the first 30 minutes, um, which was awesome because he's a Tennessee fan. I was like, wow, you just came to Jesus, and you love the balls. That's great. Um, but then we talked about far more important things for the second half of our lunch. And he just started asking me, you know, what does it look like to, to read the Bible, to, like, walk with God? But then he started telling me about his week. I was like, dude, how was your week? Like, you came to Jesus on Sunday night. You were baptized. What has Monday through Friday been like? As a Christian, he goes, man, Monday through Wednesday was amazing. I just felt like this like spiritual high. Like I just knew I was a child of God. It's awesome. Because sometime around Wednesday, I just started like feeling weird and sad and like nervous and unworthy. He was like, God, like he had an interesting past. He's like, Is it, you know, that was kind of hard. Uh, I don't feel worthy like to be your kid. Like how does this work? And uh, he had some doubts come in his mind. He was like, is that bad? Like, oh gosh, I'm doubting right now. Like, I'm like, dude, I've never doubted. This is bad. No, I'm just kidding. I was like, of course. Like, this is the most no- he's telling me the most normal things. But as a new believer, he's immediately coming face-to-face with something we all come face-to-face with. Like, 
is my worth in your presence shifting right now with my doubts or with my past or like, am I not praying right, right? Like all these questions. And I'm just reminded of the story in Mark 1 that I just want to preach over and over again. When Jesus is at the beginning of his ministry, before we have a recorded healing, a recorded sermon, before we have any great works, far before the cross in the empty tomb, he's baptized by John the Baptist. And the Father speaks out over his life before anything's been done. And he says what? This is my, say it, son, and whom I'm well pleased. Before Jesus has done anything, the Father goes, this is my son, and whom I'm well pleased. Why is he pleased? Because Jesus is his son. End of the story. And it was so cool to see this new believer already wrestling with something that he's not done wrestling with. If I had to guess, this will come up often in his journey. It comes up in my life still to this day, and I grew up from seven years old being a Christian, right? But over and over again going, God, the thing that pleases you the most of all this stuff, we've been talking about mission and demonstrating the gospel and declaring the gospel, and as you go to places, eyes to see, and going intentionally to places with ready to share the gospel. We've been talking about all this, and all this is so important. And I charge us all to live into it, right? But at the end of this, Jesus goes, but that is not what defines you. When you go out there to Starbucks and 17 people come to the Lord, and when you go out there to Starbucks and have four awkward conversations and give up, either way, when you come back, here's what you rejoice in. Your name is written in heaven. You're a child of God. And this morning, some of you really just need to hear God looking at you and just think about your week, how good or bad it was. No matter what, hear God speaking out, you're my son, you're my daughter, and because you're that, that's it. Because you are my kid, I am well pleased. End of the road, that's it. I'm pleased with you because you are. End of the story. I sense that this is so hard to get into your heart because I hear a word like this and I go, mm, that's good. We all need that. But I already feel it not getting into my heart, though. Like, I'm ready to go out there and either do good enough to where I feel confident or do bad enough to where I don't feel confident and forget this whole thing. And this is a hard message to get in the heart of hearts, to really, like, wake up in the morning and go, God, no matter how today goes, legitimately, no matter how I do today, I've got some goals, I've got some things I want to step into, and I've got some things I want to avoid. And no matter if I step in fully over here or if I absolutely go over here where I was trying not to go, no matter what, at the end of the day, because I have placed my faith in Jesus, you will speak over me. This is my son. This is my daughter in whom I am well pleased. So I don't know what it looks like this morning for you to meditate and to sit in that truth that if you have given your life to Jesus, and if you haven't, this is your opportunity to place your faith in Jesus. If we believe in our heart, believe it in here, and confess it with our mouth that Jesus is the Lord, we will be saved. And if that's you this morning, as we take communion, which we do every week, the bread reminds us that Jesus became flesh, God incarnate. He sympathizes with that. He knows what it's like to be human. The cup reminds us blood was shed to give forgiveness over all sin and death. That's why Paul says take communion seriously. It's a big deal, right? This is what Jesus did for you. As we do that, remembering, oh, this is the proof 
Your body, your blood poured out is proof that I am your son, I am your daughter in whom you are pleased. That's what we do around communion. So this morning, during communion, you can do this, I'm gonna leave this a little more open-ended. This may be an individual practice for you today. If you wanna group up with some people around you, please do that, circle up your chairs, make this your living room. But I want you to ask yourself this question. Where this morning am I getting my sense of self? Did awaken just like suck for you? Was it terrible? Did the fast not go well? And is that an indictment on your identity right now? Well, God never intended for that, right? He doesn't have a report card for how awakened went for you, right? He's proud of his kids. Take your step. Embrace the forgiveness that comes from Jesus. You're free indeed. You're a child of God, right? Or maybe you're here and you're going, no, it went awesome and I'm hype. But maybe Jesus is wanting to recenter you. Hey, remember where your joy comes from though, right? Highs and lows, here's where it comes from. And so over communion, ask yourself this question. Where am I getting my sense of self in this season of my life? Where's it coming from? And if it's not coming from Jesus, maybe the second question is, what can I do this week to remind myself where I get my sense of identity? God, literally, and get practical. I'll just pray and remember it. No, like, do you need to go sit on a park bench for an hour and just like praise the Lord and remember your story? Like, think practically, God, what can I do this week that centers me in being your child and that being where my joy stems from, Right? Okay, um, I think this is really sweet and beautiful, and I hope that you do yourself um, the favor of, of soaking this in this morning. This is why we live and breathe, because we are children of God. This is what keeps us going. It will not be the success of Ruby, because one day the Ruby won't be successful. It won't be how awesome your house church is, because one day your house church will be awkward. It won't be how good of a spouse you are, because one day you'll be a terrible spouse, right? You're a child of God in whom he's well-pleased. Um, so let's pray, and then we'll, uh, we'll go to communion. Um, God, I just pray that you'd help us to receive this message. Um, help me to receive it. Gosh, I'm so quick to sidestep my own preaching. And so um, thank you that I'm your son and that I, you're well-pleased. Like, you look at me, and you're pleased. That does not sound true to me. Like, I don't think that. When I think about you seeing me, I don't go, I bet you're so overjoyed to look at me. God, whatever it is in me that, that causes that unbelief, that skepticism, God, teach me. Help me to rest, to get my rest from the love you have over my life. I pray, God, for our hearts this morning as we take communion. Help us not to rush it, to go slow as we talk with our friends, as we circle up our chairs, or as we sit on our own. Help us to go slow and let this word sink in, like water hitting the soil and slowly working its way to the root that for anyone that believes in Jesus that has made you Lord of their life, this is the truth. God, and I pray that if anyone's here that has yet to make you Lord of their life, I pray that this would be the morning they do it, that they make you Lord of their life. In Jesus' name, uh, amen.